From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Monday edition of Washington Watch. Well, coming up, it's fairly quiet in D.C. today, but it's the calm before the storm. Well, this legislation is never getting to the president's desk because what you've seen from uh, an extreme group of Republicans is to put forward a set of amendments that try to mix domestic social debates with the needs, the security needs of our nation. That was White House National Security Advisor Jack Sullivan yesterday on CNN claiming changes that House Republicans made last week to the military spending bill are interjecting social issues into the military. Well, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas essentially said Democrats must be looking in the mirror. Joe Biden and Lloyd Austin, the Democrats who are politicizing the military, what the House has done is taken reasonable steps supported by a large uh, majority of Americans to ensure that we're funding our troops and the weapons they need to keep our country safe, not paying for abortion tourism or sex change operation or diversity commissars, things that should not be happening in our military. I'll just note that it wasn't a small number of Republicans that passed this out of the House. It was a majority that passed adopted these amendments and passed the NDAA uh, out of the House. We'll get the latest from Capitol Hill as the Senate prepares to take up the defense bill this week. We'll talk with Missouri Congressman Mark Alford, who is a member of the House Armed Services Committee. Once again, the desperation of the left to prevent laws that protect the unborn is on display. This time, it's in the state of Ohio. But a constitutional amendment this August called Issue 1 would permanently remove our rights from the Ohio Constitution. Issue 1 ends majority rule in Ohio, undermining the sacred principle of one person, one vote, shredding the idea that we the people decide what happens here, handing corrupt politicians and special interests more control. That was one of the many ads opponents of Issue 1 in Ohio are now flooding the airwaves with. What does Issue 1 actually do? Well, former Secretary of State for Ohio, Ken Blackwell, joins us to unpack issue one that will be on the ballot in Ohio on August the 8th. So if you live in the Buckeye State, make sure you pay attention. And back in my home state of Louisiana, all right, attention for those folks. Lawmakers will gather tomorrow for a special veto override session, which will determine whether minors will be protected from experimental surgeries and drugs. The president of the Louisiana Family Forum, Gene Mills, joins us with the latest on that effort. And one way to make sure that you and your church stay informed and engaged in issues like this is through FRC's community impact teams. The director of our community impact team effort, Tim Throckmorton, joins me in studio to explain how you can be a part of this growing effort. Our word for today comes from Luke chapter 9. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Here Jesus lays out what it means to follow him, to be a disciple. Number one, it's denial of self. It's not about us, it's about Jesus. It's about living for something greater than ourselves. Second, it means we have to die to the world. The cross was an instrument of death. We must overcome the fear of what man can do to us or say about us. And then third, it's devotion to Jesus. There is a connection between denying ourselves and proclaiming Jesus. If we deny him, if we're ashamed of being associated with him or fearful of the consequences of being aligned with him, there's consequences to that. He said he'll be ashamed of us, or as it says in Matthew, he will deny us before the Father if we deny him before men. 
To follow him means we are not ashamed of him and his word. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. Also, I want to invite you to join me here in Washington, D.C., September the 15th through the 17th for the Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. We've had to take it on the road in the last couple of years because of the crazy policies of Democratic administrations here in our nation's capital, but sanity is seeping back in. Join former President Donald Trump, Governor Ron DeSantis, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dr. Ben Carson, and many, many other conservative, religious, and political leaders. To register or to find out more, go to prayvotestand.org. Well, as I mentioned last week, House Republicans passed the National Defense Authorization Act. That's the annual must-pass legislation that directs military spending. This $886 billion legislation includes crucial amendments to rebuild our military and rid it of the weak and woke policies that distract from its core mission. Now, the Biden administration is trying to claim that Republicans are interjecting social issues into the military. But the opposite is true. Republicans drafted amendments in response to the Biden administration's woke social experiments that are in our military. Joining us now to discuss this is Congressman Mark Alford, a member of the House Armed Services Committee. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Missouri. Congressman Alford, welcome back to the program. Great to see you. Thank you, Tony. Good to be with you. Now, I, I want to start by something. I, I played a clip of Jake Sullivan at the top of the program where he said this was just a handful of Republicans that essentially hijacked the NDAA. I want to play another clip of what he had to say and get you to respond to it. Play clip seven, right. please. A huge number of uh, folks in the House, including Republicans, in my view, are not particularly interested in having politics come into the middle of the Defense Authorization Act. So it was a small group of Republicans who essentially created a trap, a circumstance we don't need to find ourselves in. Um, Last I checked, it was a majority that passed this out of the House, and it was a bipartisan majority. That's right. And out of the committee, only one Democrat voted against this. Look, this is a bipartisan bill, always has been, always will be. We have a common goal, and that is to deter communist China from invading Taiwan and creating havoc around the world. Uh, We also have to, as you said, rebuild our military. Under Obama and now under Biden, they have weakened our military. They have weakened our reputation on the world stage. China and other aggressors of the uh, around the world need to know that we mean business, that we are going to stand behind our military, we are going to rebuild our military, we're going to get the woke out of our military, and we're going to restore pride to our great nation. Again, the, the, the Biden administration suggesting that Republicans, and this all started with Senator Tommy Tuberville uh, from Alabama, who simply said, look, I'm putting a hold on promotions as long as the military is violating the law and using taxpayer dollars to facilitate abortion, I'm holding up these uh, promotions of flag officers. And, and, and they're suggesting that it was the Republicans that initiated this battle. You know, it is a, a deliberate blame game. They are out of options. America has woken up to their shenanigans. They realize that this social reengineering of our society with the drag queen shows on our Navy ships and uh, in our, our military bases is, is just wrong. How in the world could that ever be right? They have gone too far. They have crammed uh, uh, ESG, DEI, 
CRT, all these three-letter words that uh, basically spell socialism. They have tried to cram that down the throats of Americans. We have had enough. This bill that came out of the House yesterday with the floor amendments that were adopted by a majority of the members, several of them with Democratic support, quite frankly, were surprising. I mean, this is a good bill, and it does a lot to move our military away from the woke weakness that this administration has um, taken our military, the path they've taken them down, to returning us to strategic strength. I mean, this is an impressive bill. It is a great bill. And thank you, Tony, for that compliment. We worked very hard on this bill to make sure that the things were in there, a 5.2% pay increase for our service members, a pathway back into the service for those who were wrongly kicked out of the service because they did not take the mandated COVID vaccine. We have put provisions in to to strengthen our military through building more naval assets. The Biden administration wants to shrink our Navy. We've got to build our Navy to get ready for communist China and its aggression towards Taiwan. There are so many positive things in this, and I don't really care what the Senate does. Uh, I'm a U.S. congressman, a freshman from Missouri. We got our job done. It's up to the Senate. If they don't get it done, that's on them. So let's talk a little bit about where it goes from here, Congressman Offer, because the, the Democrats have already advanced their bill through the Senate committees. It'll be on to the Senate floor uh, procedural vote tomorrow night, probably later this week. And, and so for, from my perspective, the way the process works, the best thing to do is for the Republicans in the Senate just to stand with the House members who have advanced a good bill and, and not in any way try to weaken it, but allow the conference committee basically to, uh, to, to wrestle through the differences between the two bills. That's exactly how it's supposed to work, Tony. You remember from uh, our our days of youth, the schoolhouse rock, uh, the House comes up with this bill, the Senate comes up with this bill. If they don't align, we go to conference. That's what needs to happen. I urge all U.S. senators, Republicans, to stand with us in our attempt, our, our patriotic attempt to wid to rid the military of the wokeness that has indoctrinated, infiltrated, and infected our military. And by the way, folks, if you'd like to uh, to weigh in on this, which you did in the House, and I want to thank you for doing it, your participation made a huge difference. And some of these amendments, I wasn't sure were going to pass, and they did. But in the Senate, if you want to go to frcaction.org slash NDAA, that's NDAA, all right, National Defense Authorization Act. So frcaction.org slash NDAA, or you can go to TonyPerkins.com. And, and find out more. Now, I, I will say, uh, Congressman Alford, there was a lot of unity uh, on the House side among Republicans in advancing these bills. I mean, you mentioned some of them. We're talking about ending the drag queen shows on, on ships, the um, digital ambassadors that they've been putting out there, the, um, the, the woke CRT policies, the instruction that's going on. So there were some good policies. And the flying of flags, these pride flags on military bases. Yeah. This is good stuff. Well, look, and also eliminating the travel reimbursements for abortions, Right. Fort Leonard Wood, if you're down in Fort Leonard Wood uh, in the southeastern part of our district and you get pregnant and you want to have an abortion, don't do it on my time or my dime. Uh, This falls under the Hyde Amendment. Taxpayers should not be paying 
for any abortion-related services, and that includes travel. It is common sense. It is precedent that we've had for some 40 years now, and it's time we get back uh, to reality in America. Well, again, Congressman Alford, uh, as a member of the House Armed Services Committee, I commend you and your colleagues for advancing a, a strong piece of legislation that will help return our military to its core mission of fighting and uh, winning wars when they have to fight. Tony, thank you so much. And wherever we're mindful, please pray for our servicemen and women who have, who have signed up and taken that oath to protect and defend us. Pray for us here in Washington, as I know your, your viewers are. Pray for the senators, uh, that they will do what's right and not necessarily listen to the outside voices who want to, them to vote for something that's wrong. Let's get this over the, over the hump and let's have a win for America. You're absolutely right. Uh, Congressman Alford, good, good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. God bless you. And folks, I, I do want to encourage you to be, to be praying for um, our nation's military. Uh, in fact, it, it's interesting, as this uh, woke agenda has been thrust upon our military, this is, a, we're going to talk about this tomorrow, by the way. We're going to have a special program dedicated just to this issue. Uh, Senator Tuberville is going to be joining us, Senator Mike Lee, General Boykin, and some other military leaders. We're going to take this issue head on. So make plans now to join us tomorrow as we dive deeper into what's happening in our nation's military and why this is a good piece of legislation that must be supported. Okay, don't go away. On the other side of the break, there's a ballot initiative on the ballot in Ohio, August the 8th. You need to know about it. It's coming up next. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace the their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be disciples their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. 
Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and check it out because there are lots of resources there for you. Well, on August the 8th, Ohio voters will have a chance to strengthen their state's constitution by voting yes on issue one. Now, one thing I've noticed over the last 20 years, I usually I used to think that these uh, ballot initiatives were, were really good things. Uh, in fact, my home state of Louisiana, we didn't have one, and I entertained trying to get that into our Constitution to allow these things to go on to the ballot. But what I found is this actually is big business, and, and increasingly so, where the left, flush with money, Basically, buying states by amending state constitutions and taking over the states. Now, we've seen this in the last election cycle on the issue of life. Well, that's what's at stake and much more in Ohio. Join me now to talk about this is Ken Blackwell, Senior Fellow for Human Rights and Constitutional Governance here at the Family Research Council and previously served as the mayor of Cincinnati, as well as the Secretary of State for Ohio which oversaw elections, so he knows a little bit about it. Ken, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hey, Tony, good to be with you. All right, so let's talk about uh, issue one that will be on the ballot August the 8th. Let's talk about what it does and why it has been proposed. Well, Tony, the Ohio State Constitution has been amended 172 times since 1851. Uh, And so... uh, This is a simple amendment to increase the durability of the state constitution by taking the threshold from 50% to 60%. Uh, And and, and we believe uh, that it would be still uh, much easier to change Ohio's constitution than the U.S. constitution that has only been changed in 245 years. 27 times, but it it, 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 it allows for a reason, a debate, and, and vigorous debate, uh, and it doesn't invite uh, changing uh, the Constitution, either of the country or the state, on whimsy. I mean, this has become big business. I mean, people are actually paid to go out and collect signatures to put things onto the ballots. And then, of course, there's a lot of money that comes in. We're seeing the ads already in Ohio uh, where there is this effort to to vote down Amendment 1. Now, this is connected to the life issue, is it not? This is one of the issues that the the left is going after the state of Ohio because Ohio is a pro-life state. 
Yeah, and let me give you a, a, a perspective uh, and, and, and a, a line of reasoning why it would be so disastrous if in November, uh, because of a low threshold of only 50% plus one, uh, the radical left would be able to change the Constitution and nullify parental rights. Right now in the state of Ohio, if a minor wants to get aspirin at school, it has to, that minor has to have parental, uh, <clears throat> the, the parents of that adolescent has to be notified and they have to approve granting uh, that child uh, aspirin. Well, if uh, the November uh, amendment to our constitution is passed, uh, this youngster, that youngster could have life-threatening uh, permanent uh, changes to their uh, their their state of being uh, without even notifying the parents, uh, and so whether they're you're, you're talking about some an abortion or you're talking about uh, having uh, sex change uh, uh, operations started, um, it, it would be done without parental notification. So, I, and so this this to me sounds like uh, a, a, a community going off track if we would allow that to happen. So it's, it's an attack on parental rights. It's an attack on life. It's an attack on uh, minors. I mean, it's an attack on everything. This, everything that is moral and constitutional. So the money that's coming in to work against issue one, which simply sets the threshold at 60 percent, says you got to reach a 60 percent threshold to change the Constitution, is this money from inside the state or outside the state? Uh, it's coming from outside the state heavily. And what's disappointing is that there are forces within the state uh, that uh, should be uh, suiting up uh, to resist uh, that are not stepping up. Uh, and and that's, that's a crying shame. Uh, and so, you know, we have to do it the old-fashioned way. We have to put our shoulders to the wheel, and we have to get it done, neighbor to neighbor, church member to church member, well, we can we can one uh, pass uh, issue one raising the threshold, and then we can defeat uh, this attack on life, parental rights, and downright uh, moral decency uh, in the state of Ohio this coming November. So round one is August the eighth, where issue one is on the ballot. Folks in Ohio need to go out and support this, which would protect the Constitution raising that threshold to change it to 60 percent, because come November is when the attacks come on parental rights, the sanctity of life, and on down the, the list. Absolutely, Tony. Uh, the, the, this is a, a battle royal, uh, and we, in fact, have to suit up, uh, and we have to uh, fight back. All right. Well, we're going to encourage folks there in the state of Ohio, in the Buckeye State, to turn out and vote on August the 8th. Ken Blackwell, always great to see you. Good to see you, Tony. All the best. All right. Take care. So if you're in Ohio, make plans now to vote on August the 8th. The early voting, I think, is already opening. But again, this is simply responding to what's been happening in this environment in the last couple of decades, where Money, as Ken was saying, flowing in from outside the state from special interest groups, the George Soros groups, essentially trying to alter the state constitution with outside dollars. 
This is a preventative step. And again, as you mentioned, on the ballot in November, our efforts to essentially wipe away all the pro-life measures that have been advanced in the state of Ohio and parental rights. And who knows what else they might try to get onto the ballot in coming years. So August the 8th, if you live in Ohio, be sure and turn out and vote for issue one. All right, coming up, speaking of states, coming up in my home state of Louisiana, lawmakers return to Baton Rouge tomorrow for a special veto override session. Now, this uh, this is to protect minors from this agenda, this transgender agenda that is really mutilating our children. We're going to talk about that next. Don't go away. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Monday. All right, a lot of... Uh, A lot of homework from today's program. So if you're in Ohio and you would like to read more about Issue 1, Ken actually has a piece that was in the USA Today. You can find a link to that at TonyPerkins.com. But, uh, again, mark your calendars. If you live in Ohio, August the 8th, be sure to show up and vote. Also at TonyPerkins.com, I mentioned the FRC action uh, alert that will help you connect with your two senators over the NDAA, which will be moving toward the Senate floor this week, procedural vote beginning tomorrow night. So you can go to TonyPerkins.com and uh, click on the episode resources and follow those links over and get a message to your two senators. Remember, our republic was not made for spectators. It was created for participants, and you are a participant. 
Well, speaking of participating, if you live in the state of, of Louisiana, my home state, tomorrow, Louisiana legislators will return to the state capitol for a special veto override session, giving lawmakers a chance to once again pass HB 648, among other measures, which would protect children from experimental, harmful, and permanently life-altering gender procedures, including sterilization and mutilization. Uh, mutilation. This legislation overwhelmingly passed on a bipartisan basis in both chambers of the Louisiana State House before Democrat Governor John Bell Edwards vetoed the measure. Now, the special session begins tomorrow at noon, so there is, uh, there's time for you to weigh in. In fact, need you to weigh in now. Join me now to, uh, to discuss next steps and what may occur tomorrow is Gene Mills, president of the Louisiana Family Forum. Gene, welcome back to the program. I know you were on Friday, but we wanted to hit this one more time. Tony, it's good to be with you and appreciate all that you do. So let's talk about, uh, it's, a, it's actually the first hurdle has been crossed, and that is the legislature is coming into an override session, so that in itself is a victory. Now we simply have to get them to vote uh, to override the governor in his veto of this bill protecting minor children. So where does that stand? That's correct. Uh, Generally, veto override sessions are seen as uh, optional, not obligatory. But this one had so much energy and so many moms and pops back home communicating with their lawmakers, and lawmakers knew they couldn't let this set. So they're headed back tomorrow at noon. We'll be meeting with the Senate president and the House speaker at 11 o'clock with a couple of dozen pastors for a time of prayer. We're inviting the public, concerns listeners like yours, to join us at the Capitol tomorrow at 1130 at the Rotunda, and we will help them communicate with their lawmakers the necessity to say no thank you to groomers who hope to access children in Louisiana. All right, Gene, so let's, uh, I know we've talked about this multiple times, but we may have folks tuning in, you know, uh, for the first time hearing about what is going to be taking place at the legislature. So let's walk through the bills that the legislature already passed, that the governor vetoed, that they'll have a second shot at tomorrow. Well, technically, the one that's got the most energy is House Bill 648, Gabe Ferment. Some in the leadership and some in, in the minority within the leadership want that to be the only subject matter that's brought up. Of course, lawmakers, some 26 of whom saw some of their measures go down in flames, whether it was election integrity, whether it dealt with pronouns in the schools, whether it dealt with parental, parental permission to deal with uh, gender identity subject matter, and whether it could be discussed in the schools. All those issues were vetoed. And all are subject to be called up. It's simply the uh, by a simple motion of the author to bring the measure forward. Now, it takes a simple majority in order to call that out of order. And it takes a two-thirds majority to say to the governor, overruled. So you think it's just on the House Bill 648, the one dealing with the transgender experimental surgeries and drugs is where the momentum is for the legislature to override the governor. That's correct. And I think that's a foregone conclusion. The governor probably knows that. He's doing what he can to peel off support, and he does have authority. He's got the power of the pen, and he's got the power of appointment. Now, you got some lawmakers who feel like we can go further, and there's some strategy that's being discussed as to whether or not 
we should position other bills first in hopes that there may be three or four overrides. That's still developing and still being discussed, and it's likely. Mm. Um, my sense is we need to get that bill 648 out, needs to be overridden, and whatever else you can handle needs to come up next. Right. And that's where the leadership lands. So, so Gene, uh, between now and tomorrow, uh, citizens, our viewers, listeners need to be calling their state senator and their state representative and letting them know that they would like to see them override the governor's veto of House Bill 648. Um, so that number, folks, if you live in Louisiana for the Senate, is 225-342-2040. That's 342-2040 if you uh, to contact your member of the House, it's 342-6945, 342-6945. I have that number down from memory. Gene Mills, thanks so much, and we will be praying for your success on behalf of families tomorrow there, back home in Louisiana. Thank you, Tony. Anybody in Louisiana, please join us tomorrow at noon. And, folks, if you're in the area, be sure and show up uh, around 1130, 12 o'clock there at the state capitol. Um, to show support for those that are standing up to the governor and the left. And that's what the governor is doing. He's, he's, he's bought into this whole agenda. The Democratic Party is, they've sold their soul. They really have to this demonic agenda. All right. One way you can make a difference, and we're seeing it all across the country, is through FRC's community impact teams. And we're going to discuss that next with the director of our CIT program. He's going to be joining me here in studio, Tim Throckmorton. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND 
hand to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us on this uh, Monday. All right. I mentioned this early in the program, but take note of this. I want to invite you to join me tomorrow for a special edition of Washington Watch. The National Defense Authorization Act from culturally woke to strategically strong. We're going to be looking at the NDAA that passed out of the House. I'm telling you, as we talked about earlier with Congressman Alford, it's actually one of the best NDAA measures that I've seen, I don't know, probably prior to Barack Obama. It really does reverse a lot of the left's social engineering. Now, it doesn't go, there's still other stuff that's got to be done. Now, if and when we'll get to that, I don't know. But it certainly corrects a lot that has been happening under the Biden administration. You know, the pronouns, you know, teaching our members of the military which pronouns to use, the whole issue with the drag queens, the, the flying of pride flags on military installations. There's only one flag. It should fly on those. That's the American flag. And then, of course, the issue of life and that taxpayer funds are being used to facilitate elective abortions. This is a violation of the law. It's never happened before. But it has under the Biden administration. And so that now goes to the Senate. We're going to talk about next steps. We're going to be joined by Senator Tommy Tuberville. Coach Tuberville is going to be joining us as well as uh, Senator Mike Lee of Utah and General Boykin and other military officers are going to be joining us to take a look at the claims of the left. So you'll want to tune in tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern time, for a special edition of Washington Watch. All right, the Family Research Council, as you know, is a public policy organization that works daily with government officials here in our nation's capital and across the country to influence and shape policy from a biblical perspective. I want that to sink in. We're unapologetically biblical. Right here in our nation's capital, just a stone's throw from the Capitol, we advocate for this. We go on Capitol Hill. We pray with members of Congress. They pray with us. 
We give them biblical foundations for legislation. Now, I know there's probably, there might be someone from the left whose head's about to explode hearing all of this, but that's what we do. If this, if the Bible were good enough to build a nation upon the Word of God, it's good enough to guide a nation by today. And that's what we're doing, unapologetically, right here in our nation's capital. But FRC is also in the, on the front lines in communities across the country, providing direction and structure to help churches and other organizations to have lasting and impactful leadership at the local level. And we do this through our community impact teams. And this is an effort that's bearing tremendous fruit in communities all across the nation. Joining me now to discuss this is Tim Throckmorton, National Director for Community Impact here at the Family Research Council. Tim, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, sir. Glad to be with you. All right. Before we get into what we've seen as the fruit of community impact teams, let's define what a community impact team is. Describe that for our viewers and listeners. Within a church or sometimes in a community, there are a group of people, five, six people, who are committed to standing for those biblical values you mentioned. They're there to inform, bring information, to equip the church and the community to alert through the alerts we give and and others give, and then to mobilize, and that's putting the boots on the ground. And through those, with those four pillars building this great group, they have great influence and lasting influence. So they're they're kind of the uh, community conscience conscience of a uh, of of a church of a, of an organization where they're. They're tracking what's going on. They're sharing that information with the church. I know they do voter registration efforts, uh, voter guides, things of that nature. A lot of folks ask the question, what can I do? (laughs) This is the answer to that question. Uh, Through the resources of FRC and the direction of a community impact team, they can learn how they can practically get involved in their community through those aforementioned voter registration drives or even running for school boards. Right. But you also some of them uh, now. There's a there's a basically a, uh, a turnkey uh, kit that's available mm-hmm. that is A to Z shows you how to set up a community impact team. So it's not like you just throw a concept out there. Exactly. And if, folks can go to TonyPerkins.org and they can find that link there to go to our site. And when they say they want to start a team, they'll hear from me. And I'll give them the direction. I do Zoom meetings to help them get set up. Sometimes I go and do trainings on site. But absolutely, there's a great structure. And to put meat on the bones, there are all these resources from FRC to help them provide those four areas. Now, part of the community impact team, you know, it it is education, information, but it's engagement. And sometimes that engagement is service related. So there's different projects that these community impact teams can take on to serve their community, which builds credibility with the community. And often they marry themselves to something the church is already doing and bring a uh, enhanced perspective to it, uh, often from a cultural uh, understanding of what that ministry does or even broadening the scope of that ministry within so, the I mean, church. we've had you know we, we've had some that are involved in disaster relief. We've had some that adopt a local school and go and paint it, clean it up, clean up neighborhoods. So there are 
uh, ministry-type uh, projects that are incorporated in serving first responders to uh, build those relationships of trust so that influence can be there to to shape the policies that govern a community. So let's talk, Tim, a little bit about some of the uh, the, the fruit, some of the successes that we've seen through these community impact teams. From coast to coast, Tony, out in Idaho, uh, Elsa and her husband, they're realtors, but they have a community impact team within their church, and they've brought number of folks from other churches that are participating. Uh, they reach out to the legislature. They reach out to the community bringing information on key issues in the legislature, and they provide voter guides. In fact, their voter guide mechanism uh, has increased five times in the last three years. They're reaching more people than they ever have, and they're really making a difference there over in Minnesota. In fact, right next to Ilhan Omar's district is a community impact team that has had great success. Boy, that, that's a community that needs impact. <laughs> has had great success with uh, Andrew Brunson's uh, video series. And and they're using that, a resource of FRC, to train leaders. And Patriot Academy is used throughout our community impact teams to train their, their folks on how to understand how our godly heritage plays into our role. That's working with wall builders and uh, yeah. other resources that are out there. So it's a, it's a compilation to to help churches to have greater influence. And it doesn't have to be a church. Primarily, it's based in churches. But uh, you know, if if you can't find a church that's engaged, uh, you know, citizens can come together. And we'll work with them, too. That's a great point. At, at Liberty University, when we had a Stand Courageous event there a few years ago, uh, there was a gentleman named Joe who lives in Culpeper, Virginia, who after the CIT uh, breakout, he came, he said, I think I need to get involved. Uh, and he worked a secular job, a layman in a church. He said, I think I need to run for office. He ran, and he won. He's a town councilman now in Culpeper. He, along with the mayor, uh, invited me recently to come and share the community impact team model with pastors in their community, realizing that if the church is strong, the community will be blessed. So again, you can find out more about these community impact team toolkits that are available. Simply go to TonyPerkins.com. You can follow the links over there. Contact us, and Tim Throckmorton will be in tr- in touch with you to help you uh, get those up and running. Now, um, I should know the answer to this, but I'm certain I do. If not, I'm going to make it be the case. Uh, Pray Vote Stand Summit, September the. 15th through the 17th, great opportunity to do a workshop on uh, CITs. I'm all in, and that's where a lot of the grassroots folks in America come to hear about the the great tools that FRC provides. Um, One quick thing, and you've got to, Ken Ken was on with you a moment ago. In Ohio, issue one is on the ballot. I was talking to CIT leaders in Michigan just in the last week, and they volunteered in fact, it's going to happen next week. They're coming down to Ohio to knock doors in Toledo. Uh, Michigan is coming to Ohio. <laughs> well, and they, but they know because yeah. what happened in Michigan this last midterm election in November where there was outside money came in, in fact, more money spent to promote abortion in their state yeah. than the actual gubernatorial race. Yes, 
And so they understand what's at stake here with this outside influence and money. So they're coming to stand with uh, with churches and communities to educate them on issue one. Michigan and Ohio coming together. It's yeah. quite a thing. They don't do it in football, but no. they'll do it. Uh, <laughs> they'll do it in defense of life, which is a good thing. Yes. So. Um, a little bit more, some more success stories that we've seen from these community impact teams. I mean, people are always asking. We hear this. I know you hear it. I hear it. What can I do? Yeah. What can I do? Uh, yeah, I'll write a check, and that's good. You can make a donation to the Family Research Council. We we, we need the funds uh, to, to continue to have the presence that we have. But here's a real way to make an influence in your community, and we've seen this. You know, you were in uh, Kansas um, I guess that's been a year and a half ago, standing with a police chief who <laughs> simply had In God We Trust yeah. on the police vehicles. I handed the town council a stack of 19,618 signatures, uh, asking them to put it back on. It was interesting. I had a few remarks I could make to the town council, and I happened to mention that I had landed at Dwight D. Eisenhower National Airport, who in, I think, 1956... Right. Uh, help facilitate in God we trust being uh, our motto. motto. They went into executive session and immediately began to uh, uh, they re- reverse their decision. And I thought of Ben Franklin's words when I went to that meeting because the whole town turned out a lot of red, white, and blue. I thought of his his question: If we can keep it, right. I thought they're keeping it. Yeah, they are keeping it. it, it oftentimes, it simply takes. Individuals who know what's going on and then feel confident to stand. Mm. I mean, you don't have to be you don't have to be uh, an orator. You don't have to be, you know, the wealthiest person in town. You just have to be willing to take a stand. And, And what we do is we try to take the unknowns out of that by informing on the issues, equipping with the mechanics of how to do this. So you're not standing alone. Small group. And we've seen this on school boards. We've done uh, through FRC Action. We've done school board training, which is very similar. Very popular. And and that has resulted in school boards being flipped and coming into the hands of now being controlled by parents. You mentioned that the school board boot camp, probably the number one thing that I hear CITs use. Also, the Center for Biblical Worldview. Right. Those resources, even David's latest book. The churches that are using that, the CIT teams that are using that to train and to teach, it's meeting a very urgent need in communicating. And when folks don't know what to say or how to say it, they're often silent. So this is this is a very practical way for churches to be salt and to be light. We yeah. make it very, very easy. Again, a, 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 it comes with a, a toolkit, a, a, a basically a binder that shows you from A to Z how to set up a community impact team. So folks, if your church does not have some form of community engagement, salt and light, uh, they call different things, but if you don't have one, we've got one for you. Community impact team. Simply go to TonyPerkins.com, follow links over here in the, in the uh, episode resources, click on it, and uh, Tim will be in touch with you and and help you if you have the basics, uh, the foundation to be able to set this up and begin to influence your church and your community with the resources of FRC. So very quickly, Tim, we just got a, a couple minutes left. C- kind of walk through the process. Somebody calls you. What would be the normal process of setting up a community impact team? How hard is it to do? 
very simple. My first response to them is think about who your team would be. I run through what it looks like on the ground, what they do. Then pick a team. Find your team. Pray and look for those people with these certain qualities. Then we do a Zoom gathering. Just sit down and talk, usually an hour or so. And that sets us in the right stage for a training event that will take place either via Zoom or me in person. And then they get they get started. It doesn't take long. It really, that's the really neat thing. It doesn't take long, Tony, for them to see something in their community. Once they get together, once they begin to look at it this way, they see something that they think they should probably get involved in, and then they're off to the races. And oftentimes once one church starts, other churches show an interest in it as well. And so that's where the kind of the community training will often come in, where you'll go in and do uh, training for multiple churches. There are community impact teams that aren't a part of one church. They are multiple churches that have come together. And sometimes they meet at a church, but it's various churches in the community. You mentioned the stories quickly in Florida, Port St. Lucie. They got together and they're starting a school co-op in, in, in their church. Yeah. Uh, these are retired teachers, and they're making a difference, meeting that need wherever they are. Well, folks, don't wait until it's a crisis. If, in fact, if you, uh, you know, the best way for peace is strength. So if you're geared up now and prepared, there's a good chance the devil won't pick on your community. Tim Throckmorton, great to see you. Good to see you, Tony. Thank Keep you. up the good work, brother. Thank you, sir. All right. Just check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. And if you'd like to find out more about the community impact teams, email us, connect with us, and uh, Tim will be knocking at your door. All right. Tomorrow, let me remind you, a special program on the National Defense Authorization Act from culturally woke to strategically strong. We're going to be joined by Senator Tommy Tuberville and others, including our own General Jerry Boykin. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul. Found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, when you've set up a CIT team, just keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.